ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. It's Harry Douglas and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN+. Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Get at us on Twitter at ChrisCandy99 at HDouglas83. And we want you to tap in on the Candy call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. Does Brady coming back to the Bucks make the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the favorites in the NFC. Now, Harry, I know it seems like that's a lot of disrespect to the L.A. Rams because they're the Super Bowl champs. They're reigning defending until otherwise noted. But they're currently ranked third in the odds based on Caesar Sportsbook out in Vegas to win the conference. They're behind, of course, the Green Bay Packers and the aforementioned Tampa Bay Bucks. So we want to hear from you guys on the Candy Call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But speaking of quarterbacks that are poised to make a comeback in 2022, we got to talk about a quarterback down in Texas that wants out of the organization that he's playing for, and that would be one Deshaun Watson. Now, we knew going back to last offseason that he wasn't going to play for the Houston Texans again, but that situation became really complicated when you had the 22 civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson alleging sexual misconduct and harassment And then we had the pending criminal investigation that was running parallel to the civil civil litigation. And Harry, a big domino for Deshaun Watson fell on Friday because the Harris County grand jury, after evidence presented by the prosecutor, decided that they were not going to pursue criminal charges. So that paves the way for Deshaun Watson in terms of being able to have conversations with NFL teams this offseason. And just your reaction to Deshaun Watson and the potential for him to play for a team this offseason. Well, I just thought it was a stepping stone for him to be able to get the ball rolling and being able to play football in 2022. Now, at what point in the season is that going to be? We don't know that yet, right? Mm Because we're still waiting on Roger Goodell and what the punishment he's going to award. I shouldn't say award or or lay down on Deshaun Watson. Yep. Now, we also got to look at – you mentioned he still has those 22 cases civil. So he has to get through that. And I was of the mindset of uh, before we heard the news about the criminal side of things that Deshaun Watson shouldn't even worry about football until he tried to get some of this stuff uh, under control. Sure. But now he's he's clear at one hurdle, and now we're just going to follow suit and move on in the direction that it's going. Okay, Harry, we got this news from our very own Adam Schefter. Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson is expected to meet in the next 48 hours with the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints, amongst other teams. Those are the teams that he's interested in right now. Those are the teams that have prioritized him based on what we found. And we knew that Adam Schefter on Friday put out the tweet that he expects the market for Deshaun Watson to move fast. So we also understand that Deshaun Watson is going to be deposed by the attorney, Tony Busby, that's representing the, tw- the, the women that are in the civil lawsuits um, that are making claims against him. So that is going to happen on Tuesday. So I would expect that we would get more insight on the Deshaun Watson situation uh, over the next couple of days on both fronts. I mean, you're talking about what, what's going to happen on the civil side, but as well as what happens 
on the NFL side with the teams that are going to be interested because we are talking about the start of the new league year. Um, teams are going to have to formulate their plan at the quarterback position, and they're going to have to do that in short order because time is working against them. We do have Houston Chronicles Texans beat writer John McClain on what it would take for the Texans to to part ways with Deshaun Watson, what kind of compensation they're going to be looking for from other teams. Take a listen. Nick Casario, the general manager, who is in charge of this, he oversees everything, has in his contract, he has final decision on personnel. He asked for three ones and two twos last year. And if, initially, if somebody threw in a good player, he'd take it, of course. And then he came down to taking three ones, a three and a five. Now, if Watson says, okay, I'll approve this, this, and this team, and gives him some options and some bidding, he'd still like to get three ones, two twos. And if he got a player, I think the Russell Wilson trade, which two ones, two twos, a five, and three players, and Noah Fant, a number one pick in 2019, is like an extra first-round pick. I think he'd do that deal in a heartbeat. If Seattle says, okay, here are the players we got, we'll give them to you for Watson. And, Harry, one of the things I think is important to keep in mind when discussing this situation is that three parties have to agree in all of this, right? Yep. It has to be the team that's trading for Watson. It has to be the Houston Texans. And it has to be Deshaun Watson himself because he has a full no-trade clause. And that was not the scenario when it came to the Russell Wilson situation. So I think that's the part that bears repeating. I mean, when it came to the Aaron Rodgers situation, excuse me. I think that's the part that bears repeating is that Deshaun Watson is going to have a significant say and where he goes, and depending on how uh, focused he is on certain teams, that's going to reduce the compensation that the Houston Texans would have coming back their way. Well, that's huge because we had we heard that uh, the Eagles were trying to trade for Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson t- told them, no, I'm not going to Philly or going to the East Coast. Yep. So now they had to turn their, their, their ear other places. And that's huge in this because – you can have the best offer from a team, but if Deshaun Watson tells you, nope, I'm not going there, you can't do the deal. Yeah, so how do you feel about those two teams that were thrown out there, both NFC South rivals in the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints? If you had to take your pick on what would be the best situation for Deshaun out of the two teams, which one you're rolling with? Ooh, it'll have to be Carolina just because when you look at compensation-wise, you could throw a guy like Christian McCaffrey in the mix mm. uh, as, as well as that. But you look at a, their head coach, Matt Rule. I think he's under an extremely amount of pressure this year. He's in win-now win mode with that organization. Ben McAdoo is the offensive coordinator now. He fired, uh, got rid of uh, Joe Brady last year. Is that a good thing? Oh, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing at all. <laughs> I, I definitely, I, I was like, how do you fire Joe Brady but end up with Ben McAdoo? I, I didn't know, I didn't understand that at all. Yeah. But when you look at them offensively, right, I think they have the receivers. Terrence Marshall Jr., they drafted last year from LSU, played with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. They have Robbie Anderson. They have DJ Moore. They got two tight ends in triple and um, uh, 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 Ian, um, I can't remember his last name right now. Oh, God, it's Ian Thomas. They just mm-hmm. re-signed him. He got in some stuff uh, also as well. So when you look at their makeup of their team, the fit is there for Deshaun Watson. But also, when you look at New Orleans, you look at their defense, and I'll say if they had a quarterback play that was decent last year, they would have made the playoffs and made some noise. The only thing about New Orleans is that you're going to have to give up a lot. So you're going to have to probably give up somebody defensively because you're not going to give up a Michael Thomas you don't. Mm-hmm. Even, you barely even have wide receivers as it is, so you're not going to give him up. So that's going to be the question for New Orleans: What will they be able to give up in return 
to the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson. So if I had to have my pick, I think the Carolina Panthers, plus they just built a new practice facility, the owner, Tepper, man, he's trying to sell tickets. He's trying to he's trying to get people in those stands to support the Carolina Panthers, and I think he'll be all in on it too as well. No doubt about it. And he's already said that he's willing to part ways with everybody on the roster not named Jeremy Chin. But I got to imagine if Jeremy Chin is what's holding up the deal, then they would go ahead and throw him in too. He'd be gone too. Because, because Harry, as you mentioned, he built a brand-new practice facility, but he's also trying to lobby the local municipalities in order to build a new stadium for the Carolina Panthers. So that's something that you have to keep in mind as well. And in order to get people on your side with that, in order to get more allies in that fight, Having something to sell goes a long ways with that. And so I think Deshaun Watson being the future face of your franchise would would help that tremendously. But the other thing that we have to keep in mind with this is that there's a lot of baggage that comes along with Deshaun Watson. Because in a lot of people's minds, in the court of public opinion, Deshaun Watson is not absolved of all wrongdoing just because Harris County is not pursuing any criminal charges. There are still 22 civil cases pending against Deshaun Watson. And the sheer number of that makes it seem like Deshaun had something that he did wrong. And so I think that there's a lot of fans out there that wouldn't necessarily be able to look past that. But when it comes to the Panthers fan base, in particular that region of the country, Deshaun Watson played his college ball an hour and a half away at Clemson. Deshaun Watson's hometown of Gainesville, Georgia, is two and a half hours away. That is a region that would embrace Deshaun Watson with all of the baggage that comes along with him. And the last part about this is, Harry, you have to have an owner that's desperate to get a franchise quarterback, an owner that's willing to turn over his franchise to that player in the same way that we see NBA teams turn over their franchises to incoming stars. Kind of like what Joe Sy, owner of the Brooklyn Nets, did for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's essentially what you would be doing with Deshaun Watson because – That's how he fell out with the Houston Texans. He wanted input on the next coach, and they were dismissive of the idea of him having any say. He's going to have to have some say in the direction of the franchise. And as you mentioned, Matt Rule, their incumbent head coach, is on the hot seat. So if and when Matt Rule gets fired, Deshaun Watson wanting to have some say in terms of what direction the franchise pivots, he would want to have that assurance. I'm not sure he gets that with the New Orleans Saints, although they are meeting with him, so maybe that's something on the table. But I know that he's going to get that with the Carolina Panthers. So an interesting situation to watch. Harry and I will keep you up to date on the latest when it comes to the Deshaun Watson front as as well as the other stuff going wrong around in the NFL with free agency. But coming up next, how does Tom Brady's return impact the quarterback market this offseason? We'll have that for you. You're listening to ESPN Radio back after this. ESPN Radio. I guess it was a hard knock life for Tom Brady being out of the NFL for 40 days, and that's why he decided that he was going to run it back with the Bucs in 2022. You're listening to Harry Douglas and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and E+. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at HDouglas83 and at ChrisCanny99. And as always, tap in on the Canny call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888 729-3776. We're going to get to how Brady's return impacts the quarterback market this offseason. But first, Harry, let's go out to the call-in line and bring on DJ in Tampa. DJ, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Hey, what up, fellas? How you doing? Good. Doing good, man. I know you got to be through the moon and Tom Brady is back with the Bucs, right? Actually, I'm a Packer guy. 
Oh, okay. Well, 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 I know you can't be too excited about that news then because the road to the Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers just got a little bit harder last night. Well, and I think the timing is funny too, right? Broncos go out, get Nathaniel Hackett. It's all but done. Either Rodgers is going to retire or he's going to become a Bronco. We know that's not going to happen because here comes Russell. And then the guy who kind of jacked the MVP from him goes home, coming back out of retirement. Yeah, I mean, DJ, listen, it's it's not going to be easier for Aaron Rodgers. And we were joking around a little bit earlier before the show started on whether or not Aaron Rodgers would make the same decision today that he made a week ago when he decided he was going to return to the Packers. Now, I will say this. I still think it's an easier road going through the NFC as opposed to the AFC. And I'm presuming that Brian Gutekunst, the Packers GM, would not have traded Tom Brady within the conference. Um, But that being said, to have to deal with Tom Brady, to have to deal with Matt Stafford, that is a tall task for Aaron Rodgers, not to mention the team that bounced him from the playoffs, the San Francisco 49ers. So this is not going to be as easy as we thought it would in terms of Aaron Rodgers being able to enhance his legacy with another Super Bowl appearance. Well, no, I'll think about this. You you look at when Tom Brady went up in that cold weather and he beat Aaron Rodgers. Granted, Aaron Rodgers had a better game than Tom Brady, but still, the story is that Tom Brady is that staple, that mantle that's in the way of an Aaron Rodgers trying to win a Super Bowl. And we all know what it would mean to his legacy if he got a second one. Now, the thing is, you look at a Tom Brady – Tom Brady don't care about where he's seated at. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't care if they have to go on the road and play every game. That doesn't matter to Tom Brady. They did they, it when they won the Super Bowl. Exactly. They, except, for, except for the home game at the end in the Super Bowl in their own stadium. Yeah, so they know they have a guy in Tom Brady who's considered the GOAT, who has seven Super Bowl wins, and as long as they have him at the quarterback position, they feel like they have a chance in, in every game. We've seen it last year in the playoffs. When they were down big, they never wavered. They believed in a guy named Tom Brady. He brought them back. Now, the defense got some turnovers. That was a big plus. But Tom Brady put in some work, and he brought them back. And I'm telling you, if they had an opportunity to go in overtime, I knew which way that was going. <laughs> I've seen it happening too many times, Chris. So when you look at Aaron Rodgers, should he have went to the AFC? Ooh, because that man Tom Brady ain't going anywhere right now. He's back like I- Jordan, but he ain't wearing the 4-5. or five. Nah, he's still rocking the 12, and the TB12 method is in full effect. But the one thing that you pointed out, Harry, and I think it bears repeating, is that when you talk about those AFC quarterbacks, outside of Pat Mahomes, not a lot of those guys, the young guys, have had a lot of high-level success. You just haven't seen it. I mean, Russell Wilson has won a championship. Pat Mahomes has won a championship. But when you consider the elite quarterbacks in that conference, you don't have that. But when you look at the NFC and you talk about Matt Stafford and you talk about – Tom Brady, that man who's been to 10 and won won seven of them? I mean, Tom Brady's won more championships than any other NFL franchise that's out there. Like, that that just puts everything into perspective. So, you got to think when he gets to that stage, you know, based on the kind of fortune that he's had versus what we've seen from Aaron Rodgers over the course of the last decade or so, you you would probably give the edge to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about the situation, even though – you got a lot of holes to fill if you're Tampa, more holes than the Green Bay Packers do. 
I still would put my money on the Bucks today to get to the Super Bowl over the, the Green Bay Packers. And Chris. Because, I, because they have Tom Brady. I, I want a lot of people to understand this now. Tom Brady is coming back to play. The man lost last year. He's not coming back to play just to be messing around. He's coming back with a vengeance. His mindset is different. He's already not made like everybody else in this world. So you got to play that into, in, in, into, into the factor here. Tom Brady is coming back with a purpose. He has a plan, trust me, and winning is the only thing on his mind right now. Winning. A Super Bowl, that is. Well, that's all you're playing for right now. I mean, you're yeah. coming back for a 23rd season. What, what what else are you coming back for? Nothing else. He's accomplished everything in this game <laughs> that you could possibly accomplish. He's got the MVPs. He's got the divisional titles. He's got the conference championships. He's won seven Super Bowls. At this point, it's about winning more Super Bowls, and he feels like he has a team that's in place to do it. In the pieces that they're going to be losing in free agency, Harry, there's also a plan in place to replace them because if Brady wasn't confident in what Jason Light and ownership outlined, then Brady wouldn't be coming back. Brady wouldn't come back to the Tampa Bay Bucks unless he had a chance to win a Super Bowl. Point blank, period. I know we were going to say we were going to get to the impact of Brady's return on the quarterback market, and we'll have to do that. We got a couple of quarterback signings that we got to report on. Mitch Trubisky signing with, uh, expected to sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's out there. Kirk Cousins re- signing a one-year extension with the Minnesota Vikings. So Harry and I will get into all of that. But coming up next, we've got to talk about the NCAA tournament and which number one seed has the toughest path to the Final Four. But first, a word from Indeed. If you need hiring, if you have hiring needs that are heating up, you don't have to do it all yourself. If you need to hire, you need Indeed, the all-in-one hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates. With tools like Instant Match, you'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description the moment you sponsor a post. Invite them to apply, and you can even schedule and conduct interviews all from your employer dashboard. To learn more, Visit Indeed.com slash credit. More ESPN Radio after this. ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Candy call in line. Triple H say ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Also want to remind you to download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to fill out your bracket. We know bracketology is going on with the NCAA setting their field of 68 for the men's college basketball tournament. Of course, it's March Madness, and everybody's excited about it. And to give us more insight on what's going to be happening in the games coming up this weekend, we got to go out to the call-in line and bring on ESPN college basketball analyst LaFonzo Ellis. And LaFonzo, it's great to talk to you. It's been a minute since we had a chance to chop. But we got to talk about the field of 68 and the number one seeds. Of course, we have the Baylor Bears being one of those teams, Gonzaga. We've got uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. And, um, sure. I, and, and I wanted to ask you about the most vulnerable, and of course, Arizona. And I wanted to ask you of the, of the number one seeds, which one you thought was the most vulnerable of the number one seeds in this year's tournament. Baylor, and not only are they the most vulnerable, they're playing in the most difficult bracket. I mean, think about the names that are in that group. Kentucky's in there, Purdue at the bottom of the bracket. Then you have UCLA, and I know North Carolina is not what North Carolina has traditionally been, but they're playing a little bit better over the last uh, week and a half. 
culminating with that huge win at Duke in Coach K's last game in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Baylor is a very, very, very talented team, but they're playing without two of their best players, Jonathan Chachua, their 6-8 power forward center off the bench, the best defensive pick-and-roll big in the country, out for the season with injury, giving them about 10 points on the offensive end, terrific rebound, a high motor, runs the floor hard, post in the center of the uh, lane uh, in transition situations. They really miss him. And then one of their best shooters and best players, a guy named LJ Cryer, has been injured a lot during the season and is likely not going to play in the NCAA tournament. So that makes them the most vulnerable of all the one seeds. I got to ask you about Gonzaga because they're – their region, I don't think, is the the easiest either. You have a Duke, a Texas Tech, a Arkansas, a Alabama, two teams in the region with them that they actually lost to in the regular season. Do you see them having a hard time getting out of that region? I actually have them advancing. I think the team that could give them – I have UConn actually beating Arkansas. Uh, just a little bit more firepower, a lot more size uh, with UConn's uh, Damasunogo it would be matched up with Jalen Williams, who's terrific, a great passer at 6'10", uh, can, can make an open three, can play with his back to the basket. But Sonogo, so much more powerful and is the go-to guy and play through guy for UConn. So I have UConn playing against the Zags in the Sweet 16. But uh, I think in that case, uh, UConn's physicality on the defensive end, Tyrese Martin, knocked down uh, corner threes and really good in transition. Uh, I think the Zags would be able to neutralize R.J. Cole's pick-and-roll ability there with, with, with their size on the other end. R.J. Nimhard is playing really well as of late, and I thought he, his play is the key. Because remember, they had Jalen Suggs last year, and when they got to the finals against Baylor, it was Jalen Suggs alone who, could, who was, I think he had 19 points in that game, and, and really exposed one of the weaknesses of Gonzaga, and that is they only have one dude who can create their shot off the bounce. Uh, this year they have two, and so I have the Zags advancing uh, to the Final Four to face UCLA. You talked about Baylor. Baylor has been facing a lot of guys being injured this year, a lot of different guys in and out of the lineup. Yeah. They're in the same region with a Kentucky, a Purdue, a UCLA, a Virginia Tech, who surprised a lot of people won the ACC championship. How do you see Baylor f- faring up against any one of those teams if they have to play them? Well, it's what we just talked about. I mean, before I would have them as a clear Final Four team, but they're playing without two of their two of their important players, one of their best, and L.J. Cryer, who uh, is one of their best three-point shooters, who can create his own shot off the bounce. Uh, I thought, talked about earlier Jonathan Chamochachua, uh, 6'8", the best uh, pick-and-roll defensive big that we have in the country. It's going to be very difficult for them to navigate uh, the waters of what I think is the most difficult uh, part of the bracket, being the, the east bracket. And uh, I, I don't see them being able to get uh, beyond UCLA in the Sweet 16. Talking with ESPN College basketball analyst LaFonso Ellis on ESPN Radio. And LaFonso, the Kansas Jayhawks won the regular season Big 12 title. They won their conference title, title uh, conference tournament. Are Bill Self mm-hmm. and Ochai Abaji and company getting the respect that they deserve coming into this tournament? Because it seems like Iowa is the darling of a lot of people coming out of that bracket down there that Kansas is the number one seed in. Yeah, and Iowa's, Iowa's earned that. They have 
in my mind, the, a guy who should be considered as the number one pick in this year's uh, NBA draft in Keegan Murray, 6'8", 220, uh, can make a standstill three, but also can rise up over you with a defensive player in front of him and knock down the three. He's got middle game. He's got the fadeaway in the box. He can crab dribble you. He's an excellent uh, offensive rebounder, runs the floor. And what makes him even more valuable, he can defend one through five on the defensive end. And so Iowa's ability to be able to score against you, uh, Fran McCaffrey, you know, he's not just going to play you man or he's not going to just play you zone. He does a good job, not, not just a good job, but a great job of mixing up his defenses, a little three-quarter court press back into a zone. Uh, he'll man you. He'll trap you uh, inside, man. I know him really well because he was my assistant coach at Notre Dame uh, when I was playing there back in the late 80s. But uh, KU, I think they deserve even more respect than they've gotten because in my mind, I didn't think that they were a Final Four caliber team without a healthy Remy Martin. And Remy Martin's been in and out of the lineup all year long. The Arizona transfer who led the Pac-12 in scoring last year, in and out of the lineup all year long. So they've been without uh, one of their lead guys, and yet they were still able to win a, a uh, Big 12 regular season title. And just looking at their last game in the championship, look, Remy doesn't have that knee brace on anymore. He doesn't have knee tape. And so <laughs> that, that dude puts them in, in rare air because the one thing that they were missing this year is the one guy who can create his own offense and create for others. And I don't know if you got a chance to see the game, but dude scored 10 points in like the last six minutes of the first half in an explosive score and gives them tremendous speed that will create easier offense for guys like Ochai Baji and Christian Brown, two of the most dynamic wings uh, in our country. Two teams I'm worried about in the NCAA tournament, the Auburn Tigers and the Duke Blue Devils. And it's because they mm-hmm. haven't been so consistent. When you look at Duke throughout the season, the losses came to Ohio State, Miami, FSU, Virginia, UNC. Mm-hmm. Of the two teams, mm-hmm. who are you more so worried about, Duke or Auburn? Duke, and and it's not that they're not talented because they, could, because they are. Paolo Bancaro is worthy of all the praise that he's gotten. 6'10", 255, shoots the three ball, and, and once he puts it down, almost LeBron-like in terms of his bulliness and his physicality with getting to the rim, That the, the offensive end hasn't really been their main issue. It's the defensive end. For all of us who watched Duke for many, many years, Duke's always been an elite-level defensive team. They are not this year. Uh, we look back at a game like against Miami, who's got three dynamic guards. You can put it on the floor, uh, shoot the three, and can create offense for each other. Absolutely expose Duke in Cameron Indoor Stadium. 52 points in the paint, and they don't have a post guy. So that gives you kind of a glimpse of what's happened to them. So they've been poor at defending uh, one-on-one and keeping people out of the paint. And then secondly, they've been awful in middle ball screen situations. And if you got a chance to see the North Carolina game and Coach K's farewell game at Cameron, that's exactly where they exposed them. And so I'm concerned about them because they don't have enough time between now and their first game or certainly uh, their second round game to be able to address those issues. And then finally with Duke is unlike teams of the past, you know, we think of them denying wings. Well, first of all, slapping the floor, denying wings and and Mm -hmm. turning you over. Uh, They don't do that this year. And so when they got down in the championship of the ACC tournament against Virginia Tech, they have no ability to get themselves back in the game off their defense. So I'm really, really concerned about the Blue Devils heading into the tournament. 
All right, LaFonso, we're up against a break, but before we let you go, I got to put your feet to the fire. Give me your final four and your NCAA tournament champion. I have Gonzaga, UCLA, Kansas, Arizona. Arizona playing against the Zags in the final. That would be great because it's a head coach against his uh, former assistant, and I have Arizona winning it all. All right, there we go. That is LaFonso Ellis, ESPN College Basketball Analyst. We appreciate a few moments of your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Download the Tournament Challenge app to fill out your men's and women's brackets now. Create or join a group to play against friends, family, coworkers, or ESPN personalities and celebrities like myself. Submit a bracket in seconds. ESPN's Hoops experts are here to help. Detailed team-by-team previews, expert analysis, and historical tournament data make it easier than ever to build a winning bracket. Prizing a shot at 200K, suggesting... <laughs> Fill out your men's and women's brackets with ESPN Tournament Challenge for a chance to win $200,000. For more details, see the Tournament Challenge app. Play in our show challenge, the Chris Canty Bracket. Coming up next, how does Tom Brady's return impact the quarterback market? Harry and I will have answers for you. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Adam, uh, what is it that changed during this two-month period? 40 days since Tom Brady retired, and I think as he stepped back and reflected, he did not feel like the time was right right now. Harry Douglas and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and E+. And Harry, yesterday, Luka Doncic and company spoiled Kevin Garnett's retirement ceremony up in Boston in the TD Garden, but... That didn't stop the good feels from the Boston Celtics, namely between Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, because the two notably had beef. And you saw it a month ago at the NBA All-Star Weekend where they announced both of them at the 75-year anniversary team. And, of course, Ray Allen being announced and Kevin Garnett getting caught making a face. It definitely didn't seem like Kevin Garnett was the biggest fan at the time. But the two had... A, a, a heartwarming moment at center court, having that embrace as Kevin Garnett acknowledged the crowd in TD Garden. So from your perspective, was it good to see the big three squash the beef that was between Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen yesterday? Yeah, 100%, Chris. And I thought it should have never been beef because mm. I would never fault another man for making the decision that's best for his life. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like He went to Miami because he felt like that was the best thing for him and his family. That's what he did. But those three guys, man, together, they won a championship. It shouldn't have been no beef. I'm glad they're, they're hatching things up. Now, I need to get to a point where Ray Allen, I think his jersey deserves to be up in Boston as well. He helped with that championship. No, he did. And, I mean, he was a huge part of it. Uh, I mean, when you talk about how that team was assembled, you got to look at that as one of the original big threes in the modern era of basketball. When I say the modern era, talking about over the course of the last 20 years because you're right they did win that championship in 2008 and our producer Shannon Penn made the point that you might not have another team in professional sports ride one championship like the big three are riding that championship (laughs) that they were able to deliver to the Boston faithful up there in TD Garden but the fact remains that Kevin Garnett was able to get it done was able to transition over to Boston and him and Ray Allen joining Paul Pierce made a huge difference in terms of the perception of that franchise with modern-day NBA fans. So you're right, there probably shouldn't be a beef. I don't know that the Celtics go as far as retiring Ray Allen's jersey because he did happen to go down to Miami after that and win a chip with the King LeBron James. Maybe he could have been a part of winning more chips out there in Boston, but who's to say whether or not that would have happened? But I'm glad to see that they set their differences aside to have that moment because you're talking about two of the greatest players of all time. 
Listen, I had a chance to hang out with Paul Pierce and KG back when my brother was playing in the league. They came to Atlanta. I went out for, with them boys, man. I didn't know how they got up the next day, but Paul Pierce went for 30-plus and a dub. I was like, uh, we can't do this in the NFL. We different, baby. We need our rest. We need our sleep. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'm sure that whoever that Mavericks player that got dunked on by Jalen Brown is glad we're talking about this and not that. Coming up next, Tom Brady. ESPN Radio. Brady is back, and Harry Douglas is all over it alongside me, Chris Kenny, on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tap in on the Kenny call-in line. We want to hear from you guys on who the new favorite is in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl. Is it still the Green Bay Packers? Is it the L.A. Rams? Or is it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now that Tom Brady is in the fold? And, Harry, we got to talk about it because Brady coming back does change the landscape of the National Football League. Of course, the available spots, teams that need quarterbacks, but then also knowing what's out there in the quarterback market now because a couple of guys have signed recently, what does that do to other guys that are potentially available this offseason in the NFL? Because we know that guys like Jimmy Garoppolo are out there Jameis Winston coming off a of knee surgery is out there. Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, and potentially Jordan Love. So how do you see those guys and positioning themselves to have jobs with other teams this offseason based on the news that we got over the weekend with all of the quarterbacks taking up different spots? Well, it changed the landscape, and we just got some news that Teddy Bridgewater will be signing with the Miami Dolphins on Hello. a one-year deal. Hello, hey, going back me, home. Going back home. Liberty City is where he's from. Down there in Miami, going to South Florida, no now, state Now, tax. Harry, what I got to know is that is that is that from Adam Schefter or is that from a, a text from you? Because, I mean, I know y'all are L1C4. <laughs> I know y'all are L1C4. I know how y'all get down. So I just want to know, is that inside information? Is Harry Douglas breaking news or is that something that Adam Schefter put out there? I got it from Adam Schefter. You know All what right, I'm saying? Okay, I'm trusting okay. I'm trusting. I'm Adam disappointed today. in you, Harry. I'm disappointed in you. This is one of those where you could have scooped Shefty. No, you could have scooped Shefty. I didn't want to do that. You know, I I never fake the funk, especially huh. not on air. So I got to give Shefty his due. I got to give him his due. Okay, all right, but, all right. But so, you, but when you look at this market, right, you still have the Colts, and I think I'm gonna mention them first. The Colts are in a situation where they might have to try to pry Philip Rivers out of retirement, because mm. I think of all the teams, I think they've they've been on the back burner in this whole ordeal. And then you have the Panthers; they're still searching for their quarterback. They're meeting with Deshaun Watson. The Lions, I don't know if they're all the way sold on Jared Goff yet. They're probably looking to see, can we bring in a guy for our future later on if golf can't get the thing done? The Houston Texans, I definitely know they're not so 100% on Davis Mills. And then you look at the Giants. We all know about the Giants. Chris, you played in that organization. Uh, I think the young man there has had plenty of opportunities. This is a prove-it year for him. Mitchell Trubisky signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers or going to sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That stops a lot of thing, uh, uh, things. Brian Dable being up there with Mitchell Trubisky and him coming as a backup and competing for that job. So mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is on a prove-it year this year. So uh, you look at Trubisky – I mean, excuse me, you look at Marcus Mariota, you look at um, Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor, uh, Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's probably going to get traded. Those are the guys who are still left over, not to mention you still have those guys that are going to be drafted. And I think one of the things that are going for all those guys that I just named is that this is not a a, a premier draft class when it comes to the quarterback position. Yeah, and Harry, I think you pointed it out, and you mentioned a couple of the teams by name. We have about a dozen teams in the National Football League 
that aren't settled on their long-term solution at the quarterback spot. That's how many it was. I know we had nine coaching vacancies this offseason, but you got a dozen or so teams that are unsettled at quarterback. And, of course, the Indianapolis Colts is the team that everybody is looking at because they have a ton of cap space, but they don't have a first-round draft pick this year, and everybody wants to know what they're going to do. Now, they've been rumored to be in the quarterback market for guys like Aaron Rodgers, for Russell Wilson. Um, the, you know, We got reports from the Athletic that multiple teams called the Minnesota Vikings to inquire about Kirk Cousins in recent days before Cousins signed that one-year contract extension for $35 million to stay put. But I think Indianapolis is the team that's interesting to watch because when you look at that roster top to bottom, they've got a top-10 offense, a top-10 defense as far as points scored, points allowed. This seems like a team that's a quarterback away from doing high-level winning and potentially competing for a championship Yet they can't seem to find that guy. And so everybody wonders, are they going to go after somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo? Is that the plan? Now, we heard reports that Chris Ballard, their general manager, is worried about Garoppolo's health situation. And I I can't believe that Chris Ballard would trade Carson Wentz without having a clear plan on what he's going to do at the quarterback position. So not necessarily certain that we've seen the last or we've heard the last of them trying to position themselves to trade for a quarterback this offseason, but it feels like, you know, they're going to be the ones left without a chair when the music stops, and that's unfortunate because we are talking about a really, really talented squad. But I think overall, with all these quarterbacks finding new places to play, that's putting more urgency on the quarterback-needy teams to go out there and make a move because at some point, you're going to run out of quality players at that position. Well, that's why I say for the Colts, they have to have Phillip Rivers on line one, right? If they can't get Jimmy Garoppolo um, or Chris Ballard and Jim Ursay is worried about his health, you have to call Phillip Rivers. We just seen. Do you go young, Harry? I'm, I'm just curious. Do you go young? Do you turn your attention to the draft? Did you mortgage some of the draft capital that you have? Because you do have, you know, the third round picks that the third round pick that you got in the uh, the the trade with Carson Wentz. Because you do have a second-round pick this year. You got a second-round pick next year. Do you consider mortgaging some of that draft capital to move back into the sec- the back half of the first round and ch- potentially draft a guy? I wouldn't go young with the simple fact that the skill position players, wide receiver, there's still question marks there. That's why okay. I wouldn't go young. All right. Well, there it is. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, and certainly we'll have some of that drama playing out the next couple of days. But coming up next, what's the biggest question remaining for the Bucks? Harry and I will have the answer. ESPN Radio.